On this episode, we interview Yagnesh Ashra, the Director of Enterprise Solutions at Supermicro. During our interview, Yagnesh discusses how the company has grown over the years, how Supermicro is staying innovative in the space, GPUs, and so much more. Brace yourself. You're now entering the TechBench podcast. And seriously, this is one of the best we've done, so you should really listen to it. We're here today with Yagnesh Ashra. He's the director of enterprise solutions at Supermicro. So super excited to be with you today. Um, I'm sure that you know basically everybody on the planet knows who Supermicro is, um, but for anybody who doesn't, can you tell me like a little bit more about your company? Right. I mean, I know you guys make servers and all kinds of stuff, but tell me more. Like, what is Supermicro? What do you guys do? Uh, thank you for uh, having me here, Steve, um, everybody here. Um, it, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, so Supermicro, um, at Supermicro, we, we, we were founded by Charles Liang. We are a Silicon Valley startup company founded in 1993. And ever since the inception, uh, we have um, seen growth uh, since 93, um, um, quarter over quarter. Um, in, in phase one of um, our, our um, uh, growth, um, we were uh, basically a motherboard design company where uh, we were designing dual socket uh, Intel motherboards. And uh, our market was uh, mainly the OEM channel market where we sold a lot of this uh, motherboards. In phase two um, of the growth, what we have seen is a lot of customers were uh, interested in a, a more complete uh, servers from Supermicro. So we started designing our own chassis, our power supplies, fans, and other components uh, that go along with the servers. Phase three came along in uh, around 2013-14 timeframe where now customers are more interested in having a complete solution from Supermicro, including the software, the firmware, and all other things that go around and in the server. So Supermicro started working with a lot of channel partners, a lot of software providers, vendors, and we created uh, our own solutions uh, based on mostly open uh, technology, uh, industry standard open technology or open source providers. Uh, we have uh, participated in also remote management consortium um, and uh, things of that like. So Supermicro, we, we, we are, again, it's a Silicon Valley company. Uh, we have operations in uh, what, um, three different parts of the globe. We, um, the headquarters is Silicon Valley. We have a facility in Netherlands. We have facility in Taiwan. And logistics are uh, basically for Asia-Pacific. Uh, we ship everything from Taiwan for Europe and EMEA, uh, everything from Netherlands, and for U.S., um, North America, South America, everything ships from San Jose facility. So, Yagnesh, um, now that you've gone from selling motherboards uh, to OEMs, uh, developing your own servers, and now your server and software solutions, 
Um, you're obviously in the market space with HP, Dell, Cisco. I was just curious, um, what are your biggest differentiators compared to those larger competitors? So there are a few, and I'll, I'll start with uh, one of the biggest one, um, Supermicro Innovates. And you have been to one of those conferences where uh, to show our customers, our partners, Supermicro is always on the leading, bleeding edge of the technology. When, when we develop, uh, people are still uh, thinking about it, and then we have the products ready. Um, so we, we, are, we are at the front, forefront of the technology. Secondly, we, we uh, so that, that that's a, a first to market or time to market or whatever you call. We have a breadth of a product. Uh, we have uh, probably more than thousand active SKUs, uh, and what it does for for, for customers, it, it gives them something that's readily available. They don't have to settle for small, medium, large. They can actually get extra small, 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 medium, medium, large, large, extra large, extra, extra large. They don't have to really be told what what they are getting. They can choose and pick. On top of that, um, we we provide more customization, flexibility. For example, firmware um, logo changes, BIOS uh, setting changes, and some of uh, those things. It it, it they they are small, but when you when you do this in in uh, at a scale. Let's say you have 10,000 different servers and you want your servers to be look like uh, X, Y, and Z from the factory. So we are able to do that. We are able to customize it from factory and it, it makes a lot of difference when, you, when we are talking about scales. So that, that's another thing. Um, and we mostly we provide, uh, uh, we work with uh, um, industry standards, open standards, like I mentioned earlier. So IPMI 2.0, Redfish, uh, those are uh, the SSI standard. So it's all uh, compatible with uh, what's available in the market, and you don't have to worry about uh, uh, plugging into something and uh, not it, that that part doesn't work. That's how we do it. Mm -hmm. So you were just talking about um, how Supermicro is really skilled at being right out there, right in the front of technology, like right on the leading edge. I know that um, like Intel has just released some, like the second generation scalable processors. I guess two things. One, can you tell us more about those chips? And then also like, what are some of the performance improvements of the servers that you guys have just released that are compatible with those? So uh, the second generation of scalable processor codenamed uh, Cascade Lake processor. And uh, we, we have uh, uh, released those with uh, Intel. And some of uh, uh, the uh, listeners who are not aware of, we are actually, we provide uh, general availability before um, in, Intel launches uh, their products. Um, we call that early access. And this is in partnership uh, with uh, Intel. And uh, the, uh, in some cases, also, uh, there are components that go along with it. So we also work with uh, other component uh, vendors as well. Um, but uh, to coming back to your point, uh, these, uh, the Cascade Lake processors, uh, they, uh, in general, they provide more core counts or frequency compared to the previous generation. So for the same amount of money that you were spending before, now you are getting 
either more core counts or you are having getting a higher frequency for the particular CPUs. That that's one of the key advantage. Um, another uh, advantage that we have seen is on the frequency, memory frequency. Uh, it used to uh, be 2666 megahertz, and uh, now uh, with uh, 2933 megahertz memory support. Uh, the the application who, which are memory bound they get tremendous uh, uh, it's about 10% uh, increase in your bandwidth uh, but uh, when you talk about uh, the the, uh, the application that can really use it they get tremendous bandwidth out of it that's fantastic and uh, when we add one more uh, variable in the equation which is uh, apache pass dims or what Intel calls a DC persistent memory modules. This, this memory modules are uh, a flash that runs at memory speed. So you are now running your flash, but you are running rather on, on the memory bus. So you, you your, uh, any application now, you, you let's say you have an in-memory database that you are running before and you wanted to uh, probably, you had to create a cluster of, let's say, uh, uh, 10 different servers. Those, those days are kind of uh, going away because now you are able to put four, up to 4.5 terabyte of memory. And it, it's in terms of flash, but on the memory bus in single server. So all, all those limitations of talking between the uh, different servers, they are going away. And that's all uh, operating at bus speed. It is operating at a memory bus speed. And, and the uh, DC persistent memory can operate in two different modes. It operates in a memory mode or also in the storage mode. And so for somebody who wants to use uh, those memories as, as a block storage, they, there is another application, there are other applications which can utilize that and, and use it as a block storage. And then so DC persistent, meaning basically just to make sure that I understand right, is as long as it's getting in the same way as regular memory, as regular RAM, it's getting, it, it's persistent as long as it gets power. It's persistent accurate? even after uh, you lost the power. So it's, it's a non-volatile memory, in fact. So that's fantastic because exactly. I mean that just changes so many things. Where you were going from having racks of equipment, exactly. you're now down to half a rack of equipment or a couple of servers, if you wanted, you know, you know, multi-server redundancy or whatever, just to be able to access the 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 data that much more quickly and without relying on going across a bus between multiple servers. Exactly. So you can, like, whereas before, if you needed like InfiniBand or something like that to get, you know, speedy access to that data, now you have it right in. You would do it over RDMA or something before, and now you don't have to rely on those. Yeah. Up to certain limit for sure, because then you, if your data set is still larger than that, it, it you still have to think about what it's going on but oh sure for any kind of mid-sized data or correct. big data i mean it's you know four terabytes is still nothing but it's a tremendous amount even just for caching exactly so who benefits most from this increased speed and capacity is it a specific vertical or is it specific people within an organization um i would say database applications uh, benefit uh, the most out of uh, the dc persistent memory mm -hmm. We what what uh, at Supermicro? So we we dis we used uh, DC persistent memory, and we have come up with our own uh, 
innovation. So we we have now designed a, a server that can take up to 12 of this uh, DC persistent memory in a server. On top of that, uh, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with the PCI Express uh, storage or mm -hmm. NVMe. Sure. So NVMe storage uh, is uh, faster than SATA. Um, and when you uh, compare the price, you are not paying premium uh, anymore. It's, it's pretty much in the same line as uh, the SATA pricing. Mm -hmm. So our, our, our uh, new servers, uh, what we call uh, ruler servers, uh, Intel came up with uh, ruler technology about 2016-17, and we have implemented, we were, again, we were the first to uh, put that server out in the market. Um, and now there is a generation two of, of the uh, same servers. And uh, we have uh, the servers that can, in, in a one new form factor, it can accommodate up to 32 or 36 NVMe drives. And each drive can carry uh, anywhere from four terabyte all the way up to 32 terabyte of data. Um, well, right now 16 terabyte is already in production and 32 terabyte is in uh, discussion or it's coming out uh, probably by end of this year, early next year. So when you add all this together, um, having uh, a lot of uh, persistent uh, data close to your CPU, having NVMe uh, storage uh, running at uh, PCI Express speed, uh, the, 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 it's, uh, you can uh, use it for almost uh, any database application, any, any, any low latency application that you can think of. So some of the, our, our financial customers are, um, their, their media customers are using uh, the NVMe servers for the same. Sure, because you, I mean, if you, if you know enough to how to program a big database, you know enough how to program the database so it can be at least a little bit intelligent about what it's feeding into its caching areas and that kind of thing so that whatever you're pulling, you're pretty much pulling from the fast parts. Exactly. I'm curious. So, like, obviously, the gaming industry is, is becoming a huge industry. I'm sure that's you know you're they're utilizing your service for that. Um, all the streaming that's out there um, is that changing your business model at all, or how you put out product? And that's actually uh, it works well with our, our model because, uh, like I mentioned earlier, we have a breadth of a product. We have gaming desktops, we have gaming workstations. At the same time, we have GPU servers. Uh, which goes in the cloud and then customers are using those for uh, uh, so uh, the streaming GPU desktops uh, as well. So <laughs> we have different products that fit well with uh, almost any uh, business demand or any needs uh, for, for gaming. Um, recently, if you follow our, our, followed our, our, GP, um, our CES uh, 2019 um, PR, we we uh, we launched uh, a motherboard uh, a C9 Z390 GPW, and uh, with liquid cooling, we were able to overclock it up to 7.5 gigahertz. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, and it's it's stable at that frequency. So uh, we have different products, and for different markets, uh, 
we have a different variety of uh, this product that can satisfy those, those needs. And the, the components that we use are server-grade uh, components. It's not desktop-grade components. This is where the reliability of the product comes in. And uh, y- your, your gamers uh, are able to utilize it for longer periods of time. Typically, that's not the case. As soon as they see something new, they would want to go for it. But, uh, just, uh, but at the same time, they're willing to buy the good stuff because you know forbid it uh going down when they want it to so it's always worth it to have that extra quality right so you mentioned uh obviously your your products and services come in a variety of flavors um and i'm sure you work with many many clients uh globally um do clients come to you and have you tailor solutions directly to them and if so do you have a, a success story that you could share with us Sure. Uh, we work, uh, we have both the models where customers uh, want something off the shelf and uh, they choose it, pick it, and uh, uh, off you go. Hmm. Uh, we have other clients who want customization and we do offer those uh, uh, customizations, uh, whether it's a logo, bezel change, uh, color change, d- different things, uh, different customer, different requirements. One of the nice uh, uh story success story that i would like to mention is about uh, rutgers university um that's right here yeah new jersey um there was an rfp to build a a, a large uh, supercomputer that uh, satisfies about uh, 500 teraflops of uh, computational power and uh, we were invited uh, as a part of uh, the rfp process uh, and uh, we worked uh, through the process uh, uh, and with our twin servers. Now, let me uh, give you a little more uh, in, uh, introduction about twin servers. So I, I mentioned about innovation. In 2006 and seven, uh, around that time frame, Supermicro designed, co-designed with Intel, uh, the twin servers. It's uh, basically like the name indicates, it's a, it's a, it's a, single, a single chassis but in this chassis, you have two servers, two fully functional dual socket servers. So now in it, we, we came up with a twin architecture in 2006 and seven, and over the years, we have modified it to be more useful for different applications. So we have a, a, a product called Big Twin, we have a product called Twin Pro, so it's a 2U, four nodes, where we have a redundant power supply. Then we, we came up with a fat twin. It's a 4U, eight nodes, where we have redundant power supplies. At the same time, we have front hot swap uh, nodes for easy maintenance. So with, with all these different uh, products, now uh, they, they are basically uh, optimized for HPC. Any, uh, uh, any customer like uh, Rutgers or uh, uh, who, who wants uh, highly dense compute, the servers are very useful. So uh, we, we used uh, fat twin servers and we were able to achieve the density that nobody else uh, had at that time. And with, with uh, uh, modular data center, they had a requirement of putting all the servers in a modular data center. So we had to provide a schooling solution as well. So in rather, rather than using a standard uh, air cooling, uh, which is uh, traditionally everybody else uses, we have used liquid cool doors and we put it behind the servers which absorbs all the heat mm. that's generated with this uh, servers and it, it absorbs and then it cools the water and then it goes back into the system again. That's awesome. Yeah, so the density that we had per rack was 56 servers in a 42 year rack. 
typically you put uh, a one u uh, it 42 servers basically mm-hmm. and uh, that 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 fills up a whole rack but now with a, with the twin products we were able to put 56 servers on top of that we had three switches also omnipath fabric switch we had a 10 gig switch for management so on and so forth that's really cool so there's been lots of news um, recently about AMD really trying harder to get more and more into the data center space and gain market share over Intel right um, so do you see clients asking more about AMD or people you know are people buying more AMD equipment so AMD is coming in market with uh, the second generation of uh, their epic processor codename Rome uh it, it's uh, around mid to end of uh, 2019 and uh, what we have uh, seen is there is a lot of ask for the rom processor from the customers and with with uh, 64 cores uh, of uh, compute power 128 pci lanes um, e- even with hyper threading uh, you can have 128 logical cores uh, and it's it's going to be on 7 nanometer technology architecture so with all this yes they have generated lots and lots of traffic uh, within the industry uh, there there is definitely lot more ask about amd than it was before uh, and just like with intel we are also close partners uh, with amd as well and uh, we will have uh, amd servers available uh well the, the first generation is already available right now and the second generation servers are available uh, right at the launch that's awesome I and mean, it sounds like it really works great because i mean for you guys you get to utilize the technology right when it's coming out through these partnerships but at the same time for those companies uh, for the chip manufacturers they're able to get their products into the marketplace through like a single scalable solution where they know they're working with a vendor and they get a lot of stuff out there then get feedback on it I would imagine so it sounds like a a pretty good symbiotic relationship between you know Intel and Supermicro AMD Supermicro definitely earlier i mentioned about early access program it's it's kind of a pilot program that uh, customer has early access to uh, the technology so same same th- same uh, same program is going to be run on amd as well some customers will have early access to the amd cpus and servers they will be running it on um, uh, their apps uh, and see what the performance improvements are and that way everybody is able to understand when the product is launched what they are going to get and be able to ready right at the launch to roll out at, at a full production speed You mentioned your clients uh, coming to you and asking you about uh, those AMD processors. Are there any other trends that you see in your industry based on customer requests, like uh, more people moving to the NVMe servers, microblades, anything else in the industry? Uh, definitely, um, NVMe server. Uh, NVMe is is the new uh, storage trend, and uh, well, I would I wouldn't say it's new anymore. We have been selling uh, uh, NVMe based servers uh, for last uh, three years or more. we were the first one to come up with a uh, hot plug nvme that worked <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, we have been actually really successful in that market uh, if you if you look at uh, some of the products uh, we have uh, up to 48 nvme servers i'm sorry 48 nvme drive bays in a 2u box <laughs> it it just give you <laughs> tremendous density for for your storage apps 
um, we have some uh, regular purpose as well. But in, in general, any super micro server that's shipping now will have one or the other form of NVMe drives that it will support. Um, and uh, putting this uh, with the blade architecture or combining it uh, with the blade architecture, um, when we talk about uh, high-performance computing, uh, again, so we, 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 we are trying to uh, utilize everything that's out there and then putting it in, in a way that customer can use it. So microblade architecture is now also supporting the NVMe, our, our, our regular microcloud architecture. Now there is a difference between microcloud and microblade, but eventually they are there to support customer who wants to have... Uh, physical isolation of the servers at the same time, easy maintenance, and uh, uh, they don't want to deal with a lot of virtual machines. So that, that's where uh, the, the microblade architecture uh, is coming in useful. So, so some of the uh, hosting providers, if, if uh, they are hosting servers for uh, different end customers, they would uh, sometimes uh, have a hard requirement of not having a virtual machines. That's when our uh, micro cloud or micro blade architecture will be really useful. If you follow Intel's uh, uh, recent release, um, we actually are providing the micro blades uh, we are selling into Intel and they have filled up uh, their data centers with uh, more than, I would say, 70,000 of these microblades <laughs> into their data centers. <laughs> their application is a little bit different, uh, but uh, it, it can work uh, in different uh, verticals. So if I'm, say, uh, excuse me. So let's just say um, I'm an ad tech company and I'm gonna move to that type of architecture. Um, what's the typical timeline when people start planning to the full implementation of that? Is there a standard? I don't believe I understand your question. So, so if I if I'm if I'm going to move to say uh, start if, if I'm a you want to evaluate the pro product correct if I <laughs> if I'm a if I'm an ad tech company and I want to start evaluating a product right. and I, I may want to move to that product. What's the typical timeline for that? Does it take years, months? Typically, it it can take anywhere from uh, two to three weeks to few months, depending on uh, the client requirement. Mm -hmm. So if, if the client requirements are basically having uh, a certification done at, at uh, let's say, lower level, they want to certify um, the integration, uh, how, how this uh, servers integrate well into their operations. It, it, they can uh, check for the BIOS, IPMI. They can make sure that their tools are able to work with our tools and uh, uh, it, it's, a, it's a seamless process where if they need to, uh, in future, if they need to upgrade the firmware, they need to upgrade the BIOS, it can be done within a, a few seconds to a few minutes. So doing this kind of evaluation can take uh, probably around uh, two to three weeks, all the way up to probably two or three months, depending on what's your workflow like. Uh, we have seen both. Uh, we have uh, customers who have done it in two weeks. Mm -hmm. Some customers even took uh, three months. Okay, that's a lot quicker than I thought. Yeah, it really is. So, you know, I, I know that you've been with Supermicro um, for quite a while. Sure. Can you tell me, I guess, I mean, so I've been a liquid tech for a while. And the technology that we have seen come through here in that time has just changed phenomenally. But I'm seeing it coming from the back end. And, you know, I guess where I'm going with this is 
what are the biggest changes you really feel like you've seen while working for with Supermicro? One of the biggest changes that I noticed uh, back in around 2006 and 7 was uh, Intel uh, brought the memory controller in the CPU. And what that did, it, it opened up a lot of uh, real estate for other components on the board, or it, it kind of shrunk uh, the overall components on the, on the motherboard. And that's what helped us to enable products like twins or big twins or fat twins. So that, that, that's a really cool uh, uh, change. AM, no, don't forget AMD was doing it before, but Intel followed it and with their uh, memory architecture, uh, we were able to uh, enable products like this, um, products like Big Twin. Um, another uh, product is uh, like you already know this, it's a PCI Express Flash and uh, that's changing uh, everything that's happening right now. So traditionally we have been using the spindles uh, for how many years? And now that's changing, everything is coming uh, at, uh, at, at the speed of PCI Express and Flash. So speeds are going up. Um, if, if, you, if you are following NVMe over Fabric, uh, that is going to make uh, some big differences as well in the storage market. Uh, storage, um, um, anywhere, um, whenever we are talking about uh, software-defined storage, um, NVMe uh, and going forward, uh, NVMe is going to definitely make a lot of difference there. It's certainly, it's just, I mean, to me, it's revolutionized the way that you can think about writing applications because you don't have to worry so much about what that latency is going to be when it has to go and pull in more data from the disk, when it has to get rid of data, exactly. and when it has to write back. And the way that you think about these things is, you know, a lot of the time is like, okay, so users doing this, and we're going to start pulling in data that we think is going to happen, and we think it's going to be important. We're going to be writing this stuff back to, you know, kind of caching it back to temp exactly. files or whatever, and then hopefully we can just execute to commands to turn that into real data later, and hopefully they won't change it and we have to do it over again. But now the, that stuff's all going away. Exactly. I mean, it's, you know, like when we started moving to higher-level programming, away from you know just writing everything in assembly it's like okay now this is really changing now i can start looking at things in a in a way that is certainly not as economical but it don't need to be economical there's no point in it right and for the media companies it, it gives them a caching layer that's available at really really good price point right the, when, when they do cd if, if you talk about cdns they, they have to have this available at, at, at a, real, a relatively really fast speed Absolutely. And they have it. I mean, prior to that, the only things, I mean, that we would see coming through here are they, they used to have these huge disks that were just, you know, just tremendous amounts of RAM with battery backup <laughs> on a SCSI bus, and which sounds like a terrible idea, but that's all there is. That's the only high-speed storage there kind of was. Right. And, you know, but now all that stuff is just like, oh, yeah, that's it's, it's so, all changing. Un so unnecessary. Exactly. Uh, Another thing which I, uh, I've seen, uh, it, it happened recently, is uh, Redfish, introduction of Redfish. It's the open standard for remote management of uh, the servers. And uh, that's happening. Uh, so we are um, actually a an active member of the consortium and with uh, uh, other partners uh, and also uh, competitors of ours, 
um, this is going to be changing how you manage your servers remotely, how you scale it up, how you flash the firmware, how you change the BIOS settings, uh, so on and so forth. It, it's going to make it uh, very easy. Uh, it doesn't matter where your servers come from. Uh, everybody will be complying to same set of commands uh, for remote management. So that is going to make uh, the sysadmins or sysoperations life really easy. Does that include access to, so not only is it BIOS, but does that include access to kind of the upper level of the lower level command set? So I guess uh, I'm breaking away from the podcast. I don't know what that would be called in Supermicro's world, but it would be like a ILO, ILO. A, you know, something like that. Sure. So remote okay. management. So yes, the, the BMC aspect of it or baseboard management controller or IPMI, whatever you call it, it it's going to, uh, that there are commands to uh, make changes into the ILO types or the IPMI configuration of the board. So it will help you to change your uh, Active Directory setting, your time settings, or anything that's there on your IPMI device. So yeah, and eventually these, when the standard matures, uh, they also are going to facilitate uh, um, the, the flash of the RAID controllers or network controllers, so on and so forth. So when, when the, uh, uh, the specification is mature enough, we will see uh, really easy maintenance uh, for uh, servers for, from, from any vendor. So sysadmins are going to be benefited the most out of it. It sounds to me like that'd be something that, in the same way that as we move, as in the same way as there are multiple levels of cloud, right, where you can have like one machine with a hypervisor or, you know, multiple virtual machines running on it, or you can have just actual cloud services where you're just buying a service and you don't know whether it's running on one machine or 40. You start to look at the actual hardware in the same way where you can have an application that manages all these servers for you and just keeps them running and you turns things it. down. And it's just an automated data center solution. Absolutely, absolutely. That is so cool. <laughs> Where do you feel like, uh, where do you see the data center industry going? As I know that, you know, certainly, um, you know, a lot of the services that we buy and, you know, companies that we work with are moving, you know, into cloud and whatever. But all of those companies, I mean, all that runs on your servers, too. So where do you see the industry going with that as far as public cloud, but then also as far as the private cloud we were talking about earlier with, with the microblades and NVMe and all of that? So I don't know if you are aware, but the SoftLayer, which is uh, a public cloud uh, from IBM, they are one of our biggest customers. It's, it's a public information. It's on our website. And so we, we sell a lot of uh, those servers to uh, public cloud providers. At the same time, we have customers who are uh, uh, they are pharma company or, or, or customers who have, uh, they're data sensitive and they don't want to have their data out there yet unless they're more conservative. For them also, we, we sell into them and uh, they have their own big farms of uh, the servers. For us, it's, it's like a win-win uh, uh, situation where we, we are selling into uh, all different uh, providers, whether it's uh, private companies or public uh, provider, com uh, cloud provider companies. Um, 
and and we we work very closely with uh, the software vendors to make sure or in many time actually they also come to us and they in fact start using our servers before we know that they are using our <laughs> servers and we uh, eventually the partnership forms and uh, before we know it uh, our, our servers are being shipped to a company and they, they, they are being used in quantity of thousands to ten thousands with the open source technology that's available uh, from our partners. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's an interesting uh, place to be in. Um, and going forward, uh, I'm, I'm sure uh, there will be other changes that's coming. We'll have to see. Yeah, it's an awesome time to be alive, honestly, when it comes to this kind of tech. It's, there's just so much going on right now, and there's the growth has just changed so much in the last 10 years, even five years, right. where things are just opening up as we're moving away from spindles, and just everything is getting a little bit cleaner, a little bit faster, a little bit more organized. The storage demand, if you, if you see, um, I, I've seen uh, graphs there, and... Uh, all, all the data that's being generated uh, in, in last couple of years, I think that equates to all the data that was generated right before the inception of the computers until that point. <laughs> it's the, the, we have the cell phones uh, now handy. We have uh, cameras. We have uh, we take videos, photos, and all this data that's generated. It has to stay somewhere. Mm -hmm. Facebooks uh, of the world, uh, uh, Twitter. Uh, all this data goes somewhere, and it's it's uh, it's staying in the server. So. And as we know, it goes somewhere, and then it stays there it stays forever. There. <laughs> <laughs> and so, having that growth be you know able to be exponential, I mean that's that's just the key right there. Because whereas we used to say like oh it'll double, it'll double, it'll double, but we're not talking about doubling anymore. We're talking about powers of ten. Sure. We are talking about GPU servers before. I know that Supermicro has you know, been working on this for quite a while now and has released some stuff. T tell me more about what you guys do with GPU servers. Just like any other product that we do, we do it uh, in, in, in multiples of different SKUs. So we have uh, GPU servers uh, that can take uh, all the way from one server all the way up to 20, I'm sorry, one GPU all the way up to 20 different GPUs in, in one server. So now with AI and machine learning being uh, key buzzwords uh, for next few years, uh, people are, so if, if you take uh, Uber and Lyft, uh, they do a lot of uh, predictive analysis. So if you talk about financial companies here in New York, they do a lot of uh, predictive analysis. And what GPU servers do, they kind of cut this uh, simulation time or prediction time for them by uh, it cuts them by by, by fr large fractions uh, of uh, hours, um, and that that drives all this growth in the GPU market. Previously, uh, some of this GPU market growth uh, was uh, largely driven by Bitcoin mining that you have known and seen. Uh, but that's uh, changing as, as the cost of uh, mining uh, uh, Bitcoin goes up. Uh, people don't see that to be so much uh, lucrative anymore. But um, and but the other 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 side, um, uh, the AI and machine learning. When when you talk about those, they are the key major driving factor for uh, the GPU market. Um, and in the GPU market, especially, um, also, uh, if you talk about uh, the automation, automated driving, 
so all all this uh, companies uh, all this big automotive companies whether that's bmw uber itself um, uh, gm uh, volvo they they are all uh, uh, coming up with uh, their own version of uh, automation uh, in in fully automated driving so ultimately this this will uh, help a lot of growth in the gpu uh, market and the way we see it is uh, there are, there are basically two different product lines here one that helps uh, them to train the model of a particular data set and one uh, model that is going to be there for inferencing so making a decision live in the product uh, we have seen uh, and we have servers uh, that satisfy both those needs Thank you so much for coming on the TechBench podcast today. I really appreciate it. I know we all do, James. Thank you, too, for being here. This was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed speaking with you and just learning more about Supermicro and your career there and just everything that's going on in the market space right now. It's definitely a pleasure being here, Steve, James. Thank you for your time. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the TechBench podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to subscribe and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at the LTTB Podcast. If you have any comments, questions, or show ideas, please feel free to email us at techbench at liquidtechnology.net. For show notes, visit liquidtechnology.net slash techbench.